The reading this morning is from Titus, chapter 1, and it's found on page 1199 in the Church Bibles. Uh, Titus, chapter 1, and we're reading from verse 10. But as Tom said, um, Titus was left in Crete so that he could place elders in every church so that they would really um, preach the truth, the godly truth. And this is what happened after that. Um, For there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply, so that they will be sound in the faith, and will pay no attention to Jewish myths, or to the commands of those who reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Shall we pray as we start? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us uh, the hope of eternal life, uh, that you have uh, passed on to us the truth uh, through the apostles and through your word. We pray that you would help us to cling to that, to hold fast to it, and help us to know more of it uh, as we study it together now. In Jesus' name, amen. Why does uh, the church need good leaders? might seem like a bit of an obvious question, uh, but maybe if you look at leaders in some parts of the church, you, wonder, you might wonder if we're better off without any of them. Maybe you're just very egalitarianly minded uh, and wonder if actually the church should be doing everything it can to try and avoid any kind of hierarchy. Uh, Or maybe you don't think about those kind of things, but you're you're just not sure what our leaders should be doing, should be focusing on. Uh, Do we need leaders who are good at project management, uh, who are good with money, uh, or or what? Well, as we've heard, uh, last week we looked at the first half of this chapter, of this letter from Paul to Titus. Paul has left Titus in Crete to plant churches. Uh, And Rupert Rupert gave us a really helpful summary of the letter. Titus is about teaching the truth for transformation. Titus is about teaching the truth for transformation. And so we heard Paul telling Titus to appoint elders, overseers in every town. Elders who are blameless. Elders who hold firm to the truth. And so the question is, why? Why is it so important for these new churches to have leaders, and leaders who look like what we heard last week, 
Well, today we'll see that uh, Paul says these kind of leaders are key to protecting the church from false teachers. Now, there is danger about, he says, and his key strategy in facing that is faithful leaders. It seems that on Crete, there is a growing group of Jewish Christians who are straying from Paul's teaching uh, from, from the gospel. And it's clearly a problem that Paul thinks needs dealing with. So as he instructs Titus, as he instructs the elders that Titus is going to appoint, as he instructs uh, the whole church, us together, we're going to see three things. We're going to see the character of these false teachers. We're going to see the problem that they're causing and the, the response we should have to it. And we're going to see just where it is that they're going wrong. So first, uh, false teachers know their character. Paul has said, this is why I left you, Titus, in Crete, so that you might appoint elders. And then he says, verse 10, for there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision group. It's quite clear, the issue facing the Cretan church, isn't it? There are many many rebellious people, rebellious or insubordinate or disobedient. It's not just one or two, a lone voice that you could easily dismiss. It's a whole group of people who are going in the wrong direction. Clearly, it's something that needs addressing. But how how are they rebellious? Well, these people are rebelling against the authority of God and his word. See, instead of putting the Bible, God's method of speaking to us above everything, they think that they know better. They promote their own ideas and downplay God's. They teach what they want to teach, not what God has given us. So whether that's uh, ignoring parts of the Bible that they don't like uh, or adding in their own teachings, they're rebelling uh, against God. And the result of this rebelliousness is that their talk is empty, Paul says. Whereas he teaches the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, we saw in verse 1, what these false teachers say is fruitless. It doesn't produce anything of value. True teaching transforms people into godliness. False teaching produces nothing good. Maybe so far these people sound like they would be quite easy to spot. Uh, But of course they don't go around wearing a badge that says false teacher. Their talk may be empty, mere words. But that's not to say it's not eloquent or persuasive. It can still draw you in and deceive. These rebellious people are deceivers. Obviously, they're not going to admit that they're rebelling against God's word if they realize that that's what they're doing. They're going to be using the right kind of language, the language that we'd expect to hear, language that will try and convince us that they are right. Now, it seems here in Crete, the specific problem is uh, Jewish converts, those of the circumcision, Paul calls them, 
And we'll see, see a bit later on how uh, that influences their thinking uh, specifically. But clearly it's not just exclusive uh, to that group. Similar groups are mentioned or implied in some of Paul's other letters, even in Corinthians that we were looking at a few weeks ago. There are false teachers around, uh, people teaching things contrary to God. There are all sorts of ways that people uh, will rebel and deceive uh, and teach the wrong thing. So while the particulars of the teaching uh, around us might be different today, uh, maybe less uh, about purification rituals, uh, more about other things, uh, the false teacher's character is the same. They're people who don't sit under God's word, people who don't recognize the authority of God over them, who will go their own way when what God says uh, is something they don't like. People whose talk might seem great, uh, but really produces nothing good. So why is it that people, uh, that Paul is so against uh, these false teachers? Can they really be so dangerous? You might be wondering. Or second, we'll see uh, that we need to respond to the problem uh, of these false teachers. Have a look uh, at verse 11. They, the false teachers, must be silenced because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. Even one of their own prophets has said, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. Much of the time, uh, our culture values personal freedom uh, over truth, doesn't it? We hear things like, it's my truth. Uh, You can't deny it. You can't silence me. You've got to let me speak my truth. So I wonder what uh, your natural reaction would be uh, to someone telling you something about their faith that you're not sure is biblical. Might we be tempted to think that We can't tell them what they should believe. That we can't oppose them because it might cause divisions. That we have to maintain unity at all costs. Maybe. Paul knows that there is real truth, though. That this gospel that he received, that he preaches, is the truth. And that false teachers can be dangerous. So, Imagine the scenario. Uh, We're in Crete uh, at the church and a Jewish Christian man turns up one week to a service. He's welcomed in, of course, uh, and at the end of the service, he gets invited to the Joneses' family home uh, for Sunday lunch. The food uh, is served uh, and the family starts to dig in. Uh, But before he touches anything, Uh, The man asks for a cup of water so he can wash his hands uh, before he touches the bread. Of course, they politely oblige. Several weeks go by. He's invited to more meals. This keeps happening. Eventually, they ask, why do you do that? Don't you know you have to wash your hands to stay pure, he says. You can't be saved if you're not pure. 
This doesn't sound quite right to the Joneses, but he does seem like a very clever man. Maybe just one of them starts copying him to start with, but then all of them do. And then over time, they stop eating with anyone who eats pork. They stop doing business with Gentiles. And maybe somewhere along the line, the subject of money comes up. The man says, don't give your money to the church. They're not doing the right thing. Give your tithe to me, and I'll put it to much better use. And now, can you see a whole family, rather than enjoying the freedom to do good that salvation by grace alone brings, the whole family are constantly worried about whether they're pure enough, whether God will accept them. It might happen in all sorts of ways. That's just an example. Uh, But there is a danger in saying uh, to someone, let him believe what he likes. He's not doing any harm. The fledgling churches in Crete were struggling and finding that that's not true, that there is danger in false teachers. People were teaching what they shouldn't and we're infecting, family, we're infecting people family by family. And they were teaching not for their own, for their own gain, not God's. Whether it was to get money or power or influence, they cared only about what they, they got out of it, not the impact it had on the people listening. Again, compare their dishonest gain to Paul's attitude. He said that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life. But these people are teaching for their own gain. To, to prove his point, uh, Paul quotes a well-known Cretan, to, to them anyway, um, in verse 12. Uh, see, the, the places around Crete knew not you shouldn't trust someone who comes from that island. This was the, the culture that the church was surrounded by, uh, of liars uh, and brutes and gluttons. Uh, and the risk that they faced was that they just accepted that culture rather than being transformed uh, into godliness. So what's the answer to this danger? Well, don't just let it happen. Paul is clear, they must be silenced. Rebuke them sharply. If truth, if this transforming truth really matters, then untruth can't be allowed to worm its way into the church. It needs someone with authority to speak to the false teachers, to show them where they're going wrong, hopefully. But if that doesn't work, Ultimately, the church needs to make sure that these people don't have a platform to teach in whatever setting that is, formally or informally. Now, these are hard things, I know. They require good leaders, the kind of leaders that Titus has been told to appoint, leaders who care about their church, who want to keep it safe, Leaders who who don't have any accusations against them that would weaken their arguments. Leaders who hold firmly to the word, 
so they know what is truth and what is untruth and can teach it. These are the things that we should look for in our leaders in the church. And they're the things that we should encourage the leaders we have to grow in. But of course, it's not just uh, their responsibility. We need to watch out for ourselves as well. Uh, We need to watch out for those around us. That we don't get drawn in by this kind of teaching. That we remain sound in the faith. These days we have access to uh, more teaching than the Cretans could ever have imagined through the internet. There are millions of hours of YouTube videos and TikTok and thousands of books that we could read. And that's a great resource. It's really great to be able to hear from lots of different perspectives. But it's also often a great danger. If you watch a YouTube video, someone who is miles away, you can't see the impact that that teacher is having on those they teach. You can't see what they're like off camera. You can't see if they're the kind of leader that Titus has been told to appoint. And you can't see uh, the impact that they're having. So we need to be discerning in what teaching we pay attention to. Not just to accept everything that comes to our ears, uh, but to think about it and discern. So Paul says we should uh, respond seriously to this real danger uh, of false teaching. And as we do so, finally, it helps to understand where it is they've gone wrong. uh, Understand their error. Have a look again uh, down. Therefore, rebuke them sharply so they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject their truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. The key issue, the key place that these people are going wrong is that they are promoting commands that they had made up, commands made up, by people, rather than the commands given by God. Instead of holding firmly to the trustworthy message as it had been taught, they were adding to the gospel. To be saved, you must trust in Jesus and a gospel plus. You must trust in Jesus and stay pure. You must trust in Jesus and perform ritual washing and pray in a certain way, and, and. The gospel plus other things. And these kind of things might seem familiar. They're just the kind of religious teachings that Jesus faced from the Pharisees, isn't it? Only Christianized. They've gone back to thinking that it's external purity that matters. What you touch, what you eat, And so their focus has become on rules which try and protect them from being unclean, which keep them acceptable to God. 
But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that once you have been cleansed by Jesus' forgiveness internally, nothing external is going to undo that. Nothing you touch or eat is going to make any difference to how pure you are. Because Jesus has already made you pure. And so Paul can say that all things are pure to those who are pure. And the bad news for the false teachers is that the flip side of that is also true. If you don't trust in Jesus' salvation, nothing is pure. No commands obeyed or rituals performed will make any difference to your status. And so the result is that these people, just like the Pharisees, who claim to know God, to be able to teach about him, they're proved wrong. In fact, they do not know God at all. And so all that they do is for nothing. It does no good. Remember again, Titus is about teaching the truth for transformation. But these people's teaching isn't true and it doesn't transform for godliness. So how does this help us? Well, it helps us to spot false teaching and it shows us why it is so serious. It helps us to spot false teaching by giving us some questions we can ask of any teaching that we might come across. Is it teaching God's commands and truth? Or is it teaching commands made up by man? Is it teaching the gospel? Or is it teaching the gospel plus? Is it adding things to what you need for salvation? And does the teaching produce fruitful transformation? Does it lead to godliness in the lives of its followers? It helps us spot false teaching and it shows us why it's so serious. If this kind of thinking worms its way too far in, it takes people away from God. It takes people away from the hope of eternal life. So why did Titus need to appoint these faithful elders? Why do we need to take care to keep these kind of good leaders in the church? Well, we've seen that there is a real danger from false teachers that they will disrupt and mislead. That the church needs protecting from them. We should know their character. We should respond to their threat. And we need to understand their error to do so. And if that's all felt maybe a little bit heavy for a Sunday morning, let's come back to Paul's introduction and see the truth that is worth working to protect so much. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the end, beginning of time and at his appointed season, brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for leading us into the knowledge of the truth. We thank you for all that you've given us to help us maintain that. 
We thank you that you have made us pure uh, through your Son. Help us uh, to spot and respond to false teachers. Help our leaders uh, to protect the church. And help us do everything that we can to hold to the true gospel that we have, to maintain sound doctrine, and always to trust in the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.